Well, welcome everyone. So Tanisar Bhikkhu says that his teacher told him he shouldn't try and teach the Dharma to people who had not been recently meditating. So let's start with a five-minute meditation. Uh, just get yourself settled. What you're aiming for is a little bit quieter mind than you might have had rushing to get here on time or getting your computer going. Just relax into whatever form of meditation you want to do. Mindfulness of breathing is fine. I mean, that's what I'm going to be doing. And we'll just take a couple minutes here. So I suppose what you were doing was meditating. There's actually two categories of things you can do during your meditation period. One is meditation. Meditation basically doesn't involve very many words, maybe no words. If you're just noticing the touch of your breathing, yeah. No words required at all. If you're counting your breath, well, there's a limited number of words, uh, to eight or ten. Uh, if you're doing metta, there might be more words involved. But again, it's a limited number of words. If you're doing a body scan, you could do that with no words. But there's also contemplation. And contemplation is about thinking about a topic. Yes, it is legal to sit on a little pillow and think, but you have to stay on topic. All right. Now, meditation can be geared towards two primary things. There are meditations that are geared towards concentration, and there are meditations that are geared towards insight. For example, uh, a mantra. That's a concentration meditation, if you're just repeating a phrase or some sounds, okay? 
Rest can be used for concentration. Meta can be used for concentration. Body scan is valuable both for concentration and for insight. Uh, I could spend the rest of the hour and a half listing various meditations and what they're good for and so forth. So when you're meditating, you're not using many words. You're probably going to be generating some degree of concentration, and hopefully you're going to be doing some exploration of reality because that's what that's where the insight comes from is exploring reality and understanding what's really going on. The contemplation involves lots of words, sentences, paragraphs, maybe even a whole chapter. Okay, but you want to keep it on topic and it's always for insight. With all that many words, yeah, you're not going to get the level of concentration that you can get from doing meditation. Even an insight meditation will get you more concentrated than an insight contemplation or any contemplation. Contemplation is frequently mentioned in the suttas. Okay, uh, there are a number of topics to contemplate. Uh, contemplate your good deeds. That's one that's suggested. Uh, contemplate uh, the gratitude you have for the teachers that have taught you the Dhamma. Uh, you can contemplate the Devas if you're into Devas. You can contemplate death. So there's lots of topics to think about. It helps to do it with a concentrated mind. If you plop down on your seat and you start a contemplation without getting some concentration going, yeah, you're probably going to wind up in distraction. When doing a contemplation, it's harder to know when you've become distracted. It's easy to know when you're, say, following your breathing. You start this paragraph in your mind about your trip to Mallorca. Yeah, that's a distraction. You might think that you're contemplating about your trip to Mallorca because you're looking into the impermanence of it or whatever. You might just be fooling yourself. Okay. So meditations and contemplations, two groups. Meditations can be either oriented primarily towards concentration or indistractability or towards insight. And contemplations are always towards insight. One of the more famous contemplations in the suttas is the five daily recollections, the five things to remember frequently. Actually, the word daily doesn't appear in the sutta. It just says frequent. And if you do something daily, that's pretty frequent. Rather than discuss the sutta to start with, I'm going to do a guided contemplation. All right. So what, what we're going to do is give you a little bit of time to get yourself concentrated. Right. And then I'm going to say a phrase and you are to repeat it out loud. And I will be looking at the screen and I want to see your mouth move. Okay. So repeat it out loud. And then I'll give you some thoughts to think about it, how to approach contemplation. Just some, some things to think about. 
then you need to sit there thinking about the things I've said, in particular, guided by the initial phrase from the sutta, right? If you get distracted, just come on back to the topic, right? It's fairly easy to do, but it may be unfamiliar to you. So, once again, in order to begin, put yourself into a meditation posture, and we'll just go for a minute or two, and then I'll start saying the phrases and you repeat them out loud afterwards and then i'll give you some things to help you with the actual contemplation Okay, so repeat after me. I am of the nature to grow old. I am not exempt from aging. Is this true? Have you noticed signs that you're growing older? If so, how does that make you feel? Do you try and cover it up? Do you try and pretend it's not happening? Are there things that you undertake in your life to try and slow down the aging process? How you eat? What sort of exercise you do? Do you wish you were younger? Do you wish aging would go slower? Just what is your attitude towards living in a body that's growing older and, let's face it, more decrepit, very slowly, hopefully, with every passing day?
I am of the nature to become ill. I'm not exempt from illness. Is this true? Do you ever become ill? If you become ill, what's your reaction? Do you think this should not be happening to me? And what do you do when you're ill? You try and pretend it's not happening? You go around spreading whatever you've got to other people? Or do you take care of yourself? And if you're not ill, do you ever appreciate your good health? When you wake up in the morning, do you check yourself out and go, hey, I'm not ill today. This is nice. I feel good. Or is it more like, here we go again. Just what is it like to be living in a body that's subject to illness? I am of the nature to die. I'm not exempt from death. Do you ever think about your own death? Does it frighten you? Why does it frighten you? Is is it the process of dying that's scary? Or is it what comes next that you're frightened about? What's the one thing we know about the future? We're all going to die. How come you just ignore this? Or do you remember your death? And remember that, oh, I have a limited amount of time. How am I going to use that limited time? Just watch your attitude towards the fact that someday you're going to die.
All that is mine, dear and delightful, will change and vanish. Could this be true? Have you had things in the past that you found dear and delightful that changed and vanished? How did that make you feel? What was your reaction? How did you deal with it? And what today do you find dear and delightful? And could the things of today that you find dear and delightful, could they also change and vanish? And if they do, how will you react? This fifth one has multiple parts. I'll give them to you one at a time. I am the owner of my karma. I am born of my karma. I live supported by my karma. I am related to my karma. All that I do, whether good or evil, that I will inherit. The Pali word karma literally means action. And basically the teaching here is that actions have consequences. We use the word karma in the West to refer to the results of actions, but that's not how the Buddha was using it. So this reflection is to reflect on the fact that your actions have consequences. Some of those consequences change who you are. Some of the consequences enable you to eat and have a place to live. There are lots of potential consequences from your actions. How cognizant are you of potential consequences whenever you act? 